You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And And we're we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of the Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Last week, Katie Zaccardi, she is a holistic music career coach, artist, and songwriter. To kickstart her career, she ran a successful crowdfunding campaign to record and release one of her singles. She is sharing how to launch that program successfully. In this case, we are talking about Patreon. Everyone can get rid of this belief that there's no money in the music industry and now we can help you find those that can help support your career. Hey Samantha, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Welcome back to normal work week, am I right? You are too right because I give myself more motivated like we were talking about earlier, but excited to kind of kick it off. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I I must say I was on the struggle bus today. I could definitely use another week. 100%. But I'm so looking forward to seeing you on Friday. Friday. Friday, baby. Well, um, so today is going to be a good one. Because I love all things community and marketing. I mean, you know me, I feel like I'm constantly preaching this, but there are certain best practices to create a strong community. And I feel like we're peeling back the layers every week here. But um, our next guest, after being a fangirl for her entire life, um, she discovered a new way, a new way for artists to connect with their fans and create a tight-knit, strong community around them. The same passion that this woman has for her favorite artist um, is the same that she needed to be successful in the music business. Sarah Beth Perry is the founder of With The Band, a fan engagement platform that strives to develop a community for fans and artists to feel part of something bigger than themselves. She made the Jonas Brothers cry. I feel like that's a really great icebreaker. Hey, my name is Sarah Beth Perry and I made the Jonas Brothers cry. Her personal community-based tactic and work in a world where we crave that one-to-one interaction with artists we admire. Sarah Beth has also worked with Casey Musgraves on her Oh What a World tour. So let's welcome Sarah Beth Perry. Hello. How are you? Doing good. How are you all doing? Fantastic. Our mentality is a little slower (laughs) and we're trying to get more, you know, motivated, ramped up. It feels like, honestly, the holidays always pass by so fast. Did you, did you take some time for yourself? Actually went to visit family in the middle of nowhere in Georgia, um, which was nice, but then there was no Wi-Fi and zero service. Mm -hmm. So for like literally, it was like a week and a half, (laughs) like no connection to the outside world, which was nice in a way, but. So what did you guys do? (laughs) 
played Monopoly and uh, read a lot of books. Since it's in the middle of nowhere, I there's so much I did not know about the country <laughs> still yeah. in, but um, you can get like satellite TV. So you can watch movies through like direct TV, but you just couldn't like watch Netflix or anything. So the whole, all, like, seriously, a whole lot of family time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, I definitely would love some recommendations on books. Oh, I have so many. Um, I actually, like, made it a goal this year. I read, like, to read 24 books, which I know is, like, I don't know if it's a lot or not. I think it's just average, but... Um, I read a lot of books. I ended up reading the entire Bible this year too, which is like one thing I never really thought I'd do, but I did yeah. that. Um, but overall, some of my, cause I love like all different genres of books. Um, some of my favorite this year were definitely Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I heard so the best things about that. I've been wanting yeah. to get that for my Kindle. I think that's probably my favorite book I read this year. It was so good. It was just like, I feel like it applies to everything in life, which is nice because I, I do read like a lot of like business books too. Um, same. But same. That was I, I awesome. um, did you say you read 324 books? No, no, no. Oh, that's like one a day. <laughs> and if she thinks that's average, then you must be a super genius. No, but yeah. yeah, no. I I need to get back into reading because before March of last year, I was part of a book club, and I used to read like probably on part of what you were at, like a book every week or every two weeks or something. Yeah, um, because of my commute, and now I have not read one since <laughs> March, and so <laughs> now I'm trying to do that again because. I'm starting to get like screen fatigue and I think that's oh, why yeah. I'm getting so mm-hmm. many headaches now, which I've never had before. You're technically, especially if you have contacts or wear glasses and you're at computer all the time, you're supposed to look away every 20 minutes for 20 seconds in the long distance. So your eyes don't get so used to looking at near side. That's why your eyes get worse every year because you're not actually used to looking uh, far sighted. That's so interesting. Yeah. So that's why your eyes keep being worse because you're used to things being this close. Yeah. Which is true. Like I, my eyes get, cause my, that was a concern. I kept asking him like, why are my eyes getting bad at like every single yeah, year? Yeah, mine too. Worse. Yeah. So the 20 second rule, which seems like a lot because that's three times an hour. <laughs> so like you saying happy birthday to yourself. That's 20 seconds. <laughs> like what they say to wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyways, thank you so much again. Yeah, so we're so happy that you're here, Sarah Beth, and wanted to confirm to start it off, we'd love to know what excites you about the music industry. The interesting thing right now, especially, is that it's changing so much where, um, especially like pre-COVID and especially Nashville, it was, it takes a lot to like push the lever on the music industry, I feel like. And it's really forced a lot of people to take different avenues, which I think is super interesting to see Mm -hmm. uh, really just how different everyone has thought about this past year and uh, what type of path they want either them themselves as an artist or the artist they're managing or working with um, to go. So I think 
really just seeing all the different new doors that have opened this year has been the most exciting thing. Yes, um, that is so true. I think more than ever, the overlap between tech and music has opened the doors. And it's just incredible to see all the innovations and the disruptions that are occurring because for so long, it's always been handshake deals. So you had to know people. And now it's just so great because that's expanding. You started this podcast during during COVID. So it's actually going to be interesting to see people's answers when when all of this is seriously like lowering or that, you know, when COVID's not so much the main topic in everyone's lives. Have to ask because I thought that was so interesting that okay, how did you make the Jonas Brothers cry? <laughs> yeah, so <Straight> up. <laughs> crazy story. Um, I we I basically started this company as a fan, and it's uh really insane when I actually think about it that like the first band I ever remember loving like were the Jonas Brothers, so it's such like a full circle moment. Yeah. Um, but what I'd already like created the company and by that point we had an app out that enabled fans to create and participate in these fan projects and fan meetups. Um, and we had really just launched and I'd, I've completely bootstrapped the company. And at that point I was like, okay, let's figure out like 10 different tactics marketing wise and spend a little money on each and just like see what works. And then we'll spend like more money in that area. Um, and I say we, but like I was only full time and it was just kind of like friends who were fans helping out. Um, but we decided that, you know, the Jonas Brothers, I felt comfortable doing that as kind of one of our marketing campaigns because I knew that audience, I knew that fan base. Um, I was excited that they had like come back, but wasn't as like, you know, crazy super fan as some people were. Um, but I was like, I feel comfortable and confident that I could make a cool campaign with this show in Nashville. Um, so we actually like, it was such a shot in the dark. We printed out 16,000 signs, um, that said, thank you for coming back to us. And it had instructions on the back of like asking the fan to hold it up during their song comeback uh, that they performed like midway through the show. And we actually literally just like filled up those clear plastic bags that are like the arena approved ones with the 16,000 signs, walked in the door with the ticket and uh, went right when doors open and then like scattered the arena. And we had, we started with, I think it was like nine fans who all together like helped us out, um, who we had met through like the app, through like Facebook groups, just all different things. Um, And those people were our kind of like main bunch who all had signs. And then it was super cool to see when we're passing them out. I specifically remember this one guy came up to me and he was like, Hey, I was like, Oh, did he not like get a sign? Like, here's one. And he's like, no, like I'm passing them out. Can you give me some more of them? Um, and I had like no idea who this guy was. And so it was really the first time that I got to see that even this thing that technically the artist wasn't even involved in, it really helped create this community and, uh, people really wanted to be involved, even if, you know, they were basically working for free. And so we scattered the signs around the arena and I was just hoping like a few hundred people would hold them up. Cause this was at Bridgestone arena in Nashville, which is yeah. our big, um, like our biggest venue here. And the song started playing. And then all of a sudden it was just like a sea of white and 
everyone was holding up the signs and it was super cool too. I didn't like plan this, but the way they came up in the song was like one at a time on stage. And it was right after a break. And um, it was super cool because you saw one come up and they're like, wait, what's going on? And then the other one would pop up. Um, and by the end of the song, they were all just like, Joe Jonas was sobbing. Like if you look videos, That's there's crazy. just like water down his face. Um, so yeah, it was a crazy moment, but then that ended up getting the attention of all these other artist teams that we ended up talking. About. Um, with that, like, how were you guys able to actually pass out the flyers? Did you have to get yeah. the confirmation from Bridgestone? <laughs> I was just going to ask, yeah. like, how did they not shut you down? Yeah. Because- <laughs> well, this is like the crazy thing because fans have always created these fan projects at different mm-hmm. shows. Usually they are at these kind of more like, I want to say bubblegum pop, like mm-hmm. these teenage fangirl type shows, like One Direction. I know had a lot of them. I never seen one done for the Jonas Brothers, but uh, this is really where I saw and wanted to start creating this community was through these fan projects. We literally like walked in, headed straight to the seats. Uh, we had planned it out. So we had fans who were like in the pit, on the floor, in the 100s and the 200s and the 300s. And so each person did like their, you know, assigned sections. Um, and so we each kind of just like conquered it. So like I was in the 100s doing those. And then the other, you know, nine fans split up to do it. It is absolutely mm-hmm. insane to me that we never got like no one yeah. ever stopped us. <laughs> Um, even like the security people, they'd be like, Oh, this is so cool. Like, I wish my daughter was here for this. Like it was only compliments that we had ever received from anyone. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I honestly was scared. We wouldn't (laughs) just like bringing a whole bag of signs, but, uh, it definitely taught me there's this book, a really good book called the third door, um, talking about how like most people enter the front door, like some go the back and there's this like third door that a lot of people don't go to. And that's kind of what I saw is like the third door is just like doing your shot in the dark. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, like you try something else. So it's, it is crazy that you did allow it. It, it absolutely is because it's just, it's like you as a fan with no ulterior motive just yeah. to make yeah. the artists and the fans totally. happy. Like it just yeah. adds this extra experience that is absolutely insane. So did you get to meet them? Did it ever get back to you? So I, I like as a fan, like 10 years ago, I met them, but not like into, you know, this past year. Um, but yeah, I definitely had like conversations with their team and they were super grateful for it. And mm-hmm. um, I know it was definitely like one of the highlights of that tour for them. Just being, I don't know how much y'all know about Jonas Brothers, but it was definitely like a uh, struggle for them to come back. They didn't have like very good connection wise. So that's why it was like such an emotional moment. It's because they were like, okay, like we made the right decision type thing. that's that's amazing i actually i mean i saw the movie the documentary and then on top of that i'm really into Songland, and so like that just i mean i i really enjoy them and so i definitely get how they probably appreciate that and that was a good start 
um, yeah. for your company and yourself. I mean, you mentioned for this, you were able to get other people on board. And I'm sure that's like a lot of what you do now is just finding those fans that would take the extra mile to make a better experience for other fans and the artists. How can artists like find and like really create this connection with their super fans, the ones that really care about, you know, their development in their careers. Yeah. So there are a ton of different ways you can do this. And it all, you know, of course, depends on like what platforms you're using. Um, But I'd say like one of the most common ways is through like using your social media and seeing like which fans are commenting on your posts. If you're like actually being consistent with social media, you will constantly see like the same people are making the comments, they're liking the things or they're buying the merch, whether you have, you know, everything linked together or not, you can kind of look at this Excel sheet and look at, you know, the comments on this post and kind of realize who some of your top fans are. And that's one of the biggest things that I really don't think artists have taken or a lot of artists take they just take it for granted on the fact that there are these super fans sitting there wanting to like post their music on Instagram where they're wanting to like create this super cool experience. Cause for a fan um, and that's like really how I started this. Cause I remember seeing these fans create these fan projects uh, when I was younger and it was like, how the heck did they even do this? Like, how do you get involved? Um, and back then it was very much just Twitter, like one person tweeting to a group and there was not like one group conversation. And so that's really what I aim to do is just to bring more community back to fan bases. Um, and so with right now, I would say, look for those top fans and try to come up with an idea on how they can help you promote your music. So whether that is through having them share a new song on Instagram or it's, you having a contest where, you know, they get a tag five friends to win your album uh, or like a signed copy of your album or a piece of merch. And that really helps get the word out to people who've never heard of you, especially if you're a smaller artist. I think a lot of creators, you take those people for granted because they're always thinking about the next person that they could or like seeing the following increase when in reality, like those are the ones that are really invested in you and can just help expand the community because like everyone else, like we like word of mouth as much as we love online. It's really like those that are pushing for you. How can they understand like the type of music and like craft that they're making? And how can they find those that truly want to listen? Because on the flip side, you do see people constantly commenting, but it's usually something that seems a little inauthentic. Mm, No, that's very interesting. I think a lot of it honestly has to do with your, like for an artist, their specific target demographic of fans and where those people hang out. So if I was targeting like 13 year old girls, I'm going to TikTok, like I'm not going to Facebook. Um, And if you're targeting an older generation, like you shouldn't even worry about TikTok. So it's really about figuring out where are those fans and then seeing Uh, for each of those platforms, they work so differently, especially, I feel like some of them were pretty similar. And now TikTok has washed a lot of that, like out of the water. It's, um, we started kind of like a TikTok strategy this year, and it is so different than any other platform on like algorithm wise and like more of the back end of things. 
Um, so I really think you need to find the platform where you think, you know, that demographic, it can be super broad of like 40 to 60 year olds or like, you know, 15 to 25. Um, but figure out that age, uh, gender doesn't really matter for social media platforms. Um, and even location too. Like if I know a lot of random people like are super like law, for instance, is super popular in the Philippines. That's his like one of his top countries on uh, Spotify. So like make sure that you're on the right platform for like the actual uh, geography and age that you're targeting. See, um, I feel like that's that's interesting, too, because I think we were uh, we were just discussing um, yesterday, actually, that the artists do need to start paying attention about what they're like, put their their mindset in the fans, because, you know, if if you keep posting on a platform that no one's taking from, then it's like, where Mm -hmm. is it going? Um, What are some creative ways uh, that you've worked with with artists that you can kind of talk about? Yeah. So one of our biggest beliefs is that with any type of campaign, it should be such a artist specific campaign that it would not make sense to do that exact campaign with any other artist. Um, And I know, especially for like up and coming artists, they might not have like as much of a brand and you can kind of do some of the same things, but especially for like the bigger artists we're working with who have like such a brand of like, you see a rainbow, you think Casey Musgraves or, right. um, you know, different things like that. And so what we really do is like, we study an artist. So if we're working with them, like we will go listen to all the songs, like really dive into the fan base online on all different platforms uh, and really like go to the fans first to see like what they're wanting, what they like and kind of like what they stand for. And we make a campaign around that. Um, so I know this is a super vague answer, but like specific strategies that we do usually have to do with, um, promoting an artist music through community. So whether that is trying to have fans share something to get, you know, it all depends on your goal too. Are you just wanting more listens? Are you wanting to make money? Like what is your goal and kind of work backwards from there. And so how do you tackle artist goals? Yeah, definitely. Like if you have an an example of like, if their goal is to gain more exposure or increase their streams or anything. Yeah. So um, obviously I feel like the common ones are like buy tickets Um, Mm -hmm. with that specifically, that's where like these in-person, you know, now it's, who knows what's going to happen, you know, for the rest of the world, but pre-COVID that was like such a cool thing for, um, you can even go back like at the Jonas Brothers show, Nick Jonas posted about it and like the fans comments being like, Oh, I'm so honored. Like I got to be at this show. Like people feel a part of something when they get to engage in these like fan activations. And so getting to do those and people are like, okay, well, like I'm hands down going to the next Jonas Brothers show here. Like I'm not going to miss that. Um, so like that is one type of goal you could do. Another would be, uh, say you have a new single you want to promote. You could, I would say like, personally, I think you should pick like limit down the platforms because there's so many streaming platforms yeah. now. Um, really pick whether you're wanting to actually sell an album um, or stream and then decide, okay, well to increase my streams on Spotify for this one song, 
well, let's do a campaign like where fans can host listening parties. And if they post a photo with like five friends, you know, or video dancing along to the song, then like they'll be entered to win this. Um, so it's really all about figuring out that goal and then working backwards to see, okay, well, what can a fan do to help us achieve that goal and then create the campaign around that? That's really a great idea because it is like the user generated portion of it just creates more content for you and Mm -hmm. it just ties the connection between artist and fan even closer because they're part they're like involved in something you mentioned a little earlier about Casey Musgraves um and of course the connection with rainbows I'm a huge fan of Casey um I'm not sure Samantha if you are Eric but I am (laughs) and um I'm very curious like (laughs) what did you do for her during her tour yeah so Um, she had, it was actually surprisingly, so this was after, you know, the year she like swept every award show and, um, won like album of the year, the Grammys, which like for country album is like unheard of. Um, and then she won like all the CMA awards and she actually had her first headline arena show in Nashville. And so this was about like two months after the Jonas Brothers thing happened and, uh, after that happened, it was me and my friend, Emily, who was kind of like part-time helping out for with the band. Now she's, she was like my first full-time employee. Um, and we were like, what the heck are we going to do that can like top what we just did for the Jonas Brothers? Like we, you know, that was such like a peak, like it's still, <laughs> I joke that it's going to be like the best day of my entire life. Um, cause it was such a moment of like, I knew that I was made to do this. Um, but we were just trying to brainstorm, like, what can we do next? And so we actually looked up shows that were going to be in Nashville coming up. And one of those was Casey Musgraves. And so we had this idea of turning the uh, arena into a rainbow during the song rainbow. So one of the things that people like compared us to were like those light up bracelets. I don't know if you've ever seen them at shows, um, but they can like sync them to the music, but those cost like three to $4 per audience member. So for like the artists, like that is racking up cash. Um, and also there's this interesting aspect that I honestly doing the first one, first project had no idea was going to exist of this like ownership of like as simple as holding up a sign. They felt like they did something which doesn't exist with those, you know, automated bracelets. Um, but literally this is so crazy too. another, like third door moment. I literally cold emailed Casey's manager and was like, Hey, like we just did this for the Jonas brothers. Um, we have this super cool idea for Casey's show and I think it would work really well. Uh, and like two days later we had it like all scheduled and planned out. And so it was definitely a crazy, you know, just crazy thing after crazy thing kept happening. Um, but then it was so much fun. We actually got to go in like early for that show. So, cause it was definitely way more complicated than the other one. Uh, cause depending on where you're sitting, you got a different colored sign. And then on the back, it had instructions to hold it up to your phone flashlight. So it ended up being like a glowing sea of lights, um, which it honestly turned out super cool, but it was a lot of coordination on making sure each section had the right color. So we went in and there was like, I think 12 of us and it took I think maybe three hours for us to like splay them all out so you'd put them in like the cup holders of every seat 
and so it was definitely a <laughs> a lot of sweating, a lot of running up and down the arena steps. Um, but it turned out really cool. So it's definitely worth it. See, that's amazing because also like just time management that you didn't know before, right? Like what oh, yeah. if what if you went in 30 minutes before oh, thinking gosh, no. everything? You no, know, so yeah. that's that's just crazy that these big experiences, I mean, and just having Bridgestone Arena, that's so lucky how it's downtown too. I can't really <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. been nice. We created really good relations with Bridgestone. So we're definitely planning on doing more in the future. We had a lot planned for <laughs> spring and then summer. And then of course they all got, right. you know, canceled or pushed back or whatever will happen to them now. So was that campaign like the cost out of your pockets or did her team cover that because you worked with them? Yeah. So what we actually did, so, you know, the Jonas Brothers one, they had no idea. So we paid for that one. Yeah. Um, and then we, after that, we had gotten so much artist interest from different artist teams that I knew we were basically going to open up this revenue stream that enabled artists to kind of hire us to come in and create these customized fan engagement campaigns, uh, roll them all out, like, pretty hands-off for them they wouldn't have to do much because uh, we all know that <laughs> i feel like everyone in the music industry is strained for time um especially when you're working with these upper level artists they just don't have the bandwidth to do these type of things and so that's really where we came in uh so planning you know kind of far in advance i when i emailed her and she was like okay we're interested i was like okay if you'll be like our first artist sponsored one then like i'll pay for this one and then like the rest y'all have to pay for. Um, and so that's, you know, what ended up working now. And so wow. I'm like, because she, you know, if it hadn't been like album of the year at the Grammys, you know, there's like, uh, and the price honestly is not a lot. Um, it definitely is like, it costs us money, but it was not, you know, like a burden for us to do. Yeah. And it all is worth it because now you have that connection. And I think honestly, from my experience, like people really respect that, like, because you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't do things for free forever, but they really, really value the fact that, um, you even offer it and they'll get you eventually. So that's, that's really cool. Um, I think it's genius. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it's absolutely genius because to your point, I think before we even started, um, started this interview, how you basically market yourself on what you want to do. And then, then it'll actually follow the business will actually follow actually, you know, once you do it and once you put Mm -hmm. it out there, once you pay for it and fund it. Well, it was interesting too, because we, no one has ever like done band projects on the level that we were doing them. Um, And it it blows my mind that like most people, even like the highest people up in the industry I've ever talked to, like don't really know what a fan project is. And so they're so out of touch with this thing that we knew we had to like physically show them like what it does and what it is for them actually to get it. And even just like people, I made like one friend who's like, uh, I know uh, Emily who is founder of Itty Ditty. who's like, yeah, and we love Emily. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was talking with her and we were in this accelerated program together and I'd known her like six months. And then I showed her the Jonas Brothers like video at the concert and she was like, Sarah Beth, like, 
I knew what you did, but like, I didn't understand it until now. And so it's this thing of seeing it that like, really helps you understand. So that's why we did, you know, the free thing first. And so kind of taking it from there. So since there's not really live concerts right now and haven't been, what do you recommend that artists do instead? So that's one of the biggest problems that I saw is, you know, before COVID, we had these artist teams reaching out. And when COVID hit, we still had these artist teams reaching out being like, hey, like, what do we do besides Instagram live streams? Like, there was a time when it was just, you know, like thousands of live streams going on every hour, every day. Yep. Um, and I was like, okay, like, let me research, let me figure out something. And I really did a lot of digging and realized how few options I felt like artists really had. Um, I think the best option that artists had right now was kind of like Patreon. And that's for these like smaller indie artists who, uh, you know, want to make revenue, keep this connection with fans. I think like the biggest flaw on Patreon is that there is no way for like fans to actually talk to each other. Uh, which I think is like that from my personal experience and from most fans I know, like the reason you loved this artist so much was like the community you built around it. Like so many of my best friends, even like in high school, it's all we love the same bands. Um, and so that's really what I wanted to create was a community based platform um, or really what I wanted to use. And that's kind of how we ended up creating this new platform that we're going to launch early this year. Uh, because I could not find anything out there that I felt like really helped solve this problem right now of, you know, not only helping fans to create community when it's such a time of social isolation, uh, but also helping the artists gain revenue. And there are, like I said, kind of options like Patreon and Memberful, but especially for the medium to higher tier artists, there's nothing. There's a newsletter or there is like a completely customized app and there's nothing in between. And so mm -hmm. that's really where we plan to fit in. And that is so perfect that you brought that up because our episode last week was about Patreon and you can't necessarily discover artists on Patreon. You can't yeah. necessarily interact with them. It's honestly just a membership program um, where if they happen to promote their link or if you find it on their bio, then you go directly to it. But just from my own experience, I can't like search and be like, okay, who has a Patreon? What do they <laughs> offer? Let's go. You know, yeah. it's, it's just not that type of, you don't have that view into it like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're, you're right. Like there is a need and a lot of artists can benefit from this by having that. Yeah, totally. Um, and with yours, uh, with your campaigns, like outside of like what's going on now, are the artists usually involved or were they involved for the ones, even if they didn't happen? So the fun thing about it is, is it's usually a surprise for the artist. And it's like, we just talk with the artist team. Um, so that's one of the things that have been so cool about the events. Like we had done some of the other ones coming up were a little bit more marketing focused that, you know, the artists would know about. Um, but usually we try to make it so it's, especially if it's in person, we're going to do some, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to word this. They, none of this was like released <laughs> yet. Um, so there were some that were going to be like international things that 
uh, we ended up not being able to do, but the artist would have known about those. But the in-person ones, we try to make it a complete secret to the actual artist. Just the artist team knows and works with us. Well, that's how it should be too, because then it's an, it's like a nice little present for the artists and like exactly. the fans are basically giving back. And so yeah. that's, that's literally what I think about. I, I mean, I never knew who did this um, mm-hmm. at like arenas when they're like, or I used to be as a fan at concerts being like, where can I get that? Like, why yeah. did they get that? Not me. Cool. And that's also bringing up the more community or wanting to figure out mm-hmm. how to get involved, wanting to get with that. Um, and it's always so nice like when the yeah. art, like when the artists would literally look out and they're like, what the, like yeah. whether it's fake or not, but <laughs> so is this your main focus or do you have any other side projects that you're also doing? Yeah. So this is my like hundred percent what I put all of my energy towards. Um, not saying that I don't have ideas. I like always have a note on my phone <laughs> of like business ideas. But now you need time. Um, yeah, but it's, I think I, like, I know personally that, like, I, my, it, it's one of those things where I think a lot of investors always say, like, why are you the entrepreneur that should be, like, building this company? Um, and it really made me realize that, like, my entire life, I feel like, has led up to, like, this exact moment of me building this company. And, uh, from like growing up in Nashville, being surrounded by music. Like I, since I can remember, always wanted to be in the music industry. Um, and then as I got older, my sister and I became huge fans. And so we went to all these shows and uh, didn't know what I wanted to do in music, but just knew like that was where I was supposed to go. And um, there've been so many full circle moments already. And, you know, like the two years that I've been working on this, uh, that really it's just like such a rewarding thing for me. And that's why I dedicate all my energy to this is because I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is what I'm made to build. In general, it's such a huge topic. And there's so many different ways you can go about it. So many strategizing, creating it, marketing, um, which makes it fun because it's always different projects. I'm sure. for you. Always different. (laughs) Um, so when you were, when you were building the company, how, how did you go about finding investors? Yeah. So I actually still have like zero investors. Um, I had completely like bootstrapped it. So the way that I, when I first kind of had the idea, I was like, that is way too big for me. Like, there's no way I can do that. I started playing around with the idea, like my freshman year of college. Um, and I met two girls who had uh, found this other music tech company, Eva. And uh, it really got my wheels thinking. I'm like, well, what if like, maybe I could do it? Like, just maybe, let's just research it. And so for a solid year, all I did was research. And because I thought originally the way I came up with the idea was uh, exactly like you were saying, Sydney, about how there's all these jobs you didn't know existed. And when I took like my first music business class, even though I had grown up around like people in the music industry, I had no idea like the different types of jobs you could have. I just knew there was a label and there was an artist. Um, but then I learned like fan engagement. Someone had to be behind it. Like it doesn't just like happen on its own. And I was like, that is what I want to do. And so I went out searching for a company that I could work for that did fan engagement and I could not find anything. And so that's really 
where I decided to start the company. And through that, uh, I always say if you're in college and have an idea, try to start the company because there's so many opportunities you get as a student that you do not get <laughs> once you graduate. Um, and so I was super fortunate enough to, I did my first uh, business plan competition at Belmont. And then that's where I won like my first grant. So I'd like won the pitch competition and um, you know, one of those like, <laughs> nice fat big checks that you can like take pictures with. And uh, I ended up doing probably at least like 10 other pitch competitions and some of them didn't win, but I was able to secure like $30,000 from all these different pitch competitions. Um, and that's so that's amazing. how I completely <laughs> funded the company um, up until this past year. Wow. Wow. So you've probably done more than like 90% of the population. I feel like you know more about business than many, many people. Like it probably takes a lot to create a pitch and a plan and that's wild. So is that really what helped you evolve this idea slash side hustle into making it something bigger? Totally. I, it's interesting and I don't know if this is everyone's journey as an entrepreneur, but this was definitely mine of, I had this like huge idea. So like I wanted um, to create basically a place for fans to go that they could have this community, whether that's, you know, they wanted to listen to music at the same time or do this, do that. And like everything in one place. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs start with like this huge idea. And one of my favorite advisors, he always used to say, like Sarah, like, don't boil the ocean. You can't boil the ocean. Saying that was too big of an idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so you needed to like filter it down. So I filtered it down to the app that enabled fans and then eventually artists to create and participate in these fan projects and fan meetups. Um, And then slowly now, like, I feel like it went from a big funnel to a little funnel and now it's going bigger. Uh, to being able to do more, you know, than just these fan projects, but to actually like offer memberships to your fans or exclusive content. Uh, So it's definitely evolved for sure. And it was uh, really, I did a lot of the groundwork. Yeah. Those first few years in college. I like, I I saw my sister's face when you said you can't boil the ocean. I have never heard (laughs) of that phrase. And I, relate so much yeah. <laughs> i mean because when you have an idea that's too big and broad that's when you get overwhelmed and then do not want to go back to it so what were some of the pain points that you have um as a music entrepreneur you know it is i always say it's always such so. <laughs> a roller coaster ride uh, of being an entrepreneur i think there's there's been so many interesting ones. I think one of the biggest ones I've focused on a lot this past year, um, especially just like being a younger female starting a company still to this day, like there's so many comments that, and a lot of them are not intentionally like trying to be demeaning or hurtful, but uh, there's a lot of times where I have to remind myself like, okay, I have the experience. I have done this. Like I, one thing I was literally just doing today because an advisor told me, uh, cause 2020, you know, we all just like, it was a wreck. And a lot of times I feel like, Oh, I just like, I didn't get done what I wanted done in 2020. It was like Sarah Beth, like make a list of all the things 
that, you know, your small achievements that you did in 2020. And I've been making the list uh, just today to try to, you know, be like, okay, so Rusty did something last year. You didn't just like watch Netflix series. And so uh, it's been super eye opening. I highly recommend doing that because it's helped me just like stand stronger in the fact that with a lot of these, like I'm talking to execs at these major labels and um, managers of like top 40 artists. And it definitely is like nerve wracking and scary going into those meetings, but just reminding myself that, okay, I have the experience. I know I'm talking about, like I can do this uh, has definitely been a big learning point, but I feel like I'm like on the upswing of it now. I really love that you said that because that's actually something that I do every month, actually, as a reflection, Um, because no small win or I guess no win is too small to reflect and and like learn from it or be proud of yourself. There's really nothing you can compare it to, you know, like what's the biggest thing that you can think of? It all matters. So that's actually something that I've been doing every single month of 2020. And I actually also publicize it, uh, (laughs) which really helps because it holds me accountable to keep going. And also it makes me vulnerable. And I would recommend doing that because I bet a lot of people can relate and it can empower and inspire a lot of other people. So I would encourage you to take a step further and publicize that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think like one of the things I have learned while doing that is there's always this like fear that I have of like, I never want to sound like I'm bragging. And it's, Mm -hmm. I think as like women, we do this a lot. And so it's trying to think of like, this is not an opinion. Like this is a fact that this happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you should be proud and like, it's totally okay to publicize that. Right. Um, And also if you position it in a way where it's like, it's helpful and valuable to your network, then they should support you. I try to word mine in a way where this is my growth and I hope it could help you. It's encouraging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With your growth. So I don't know. I, I've always enjoyed that and it just helps me push forward even if, um, there's still very small wins, you know, they're stepping stones and it helps me keep track. So it's funny that you've been doing that on a monthly basis because Sarah Beth, let me tell you, I've been like sharing all my sister's posts without really realizing it. It's <laughs> neat, right? Like on, on like LinkedIn, because she'll ask a question or it's like, it's a, always a two-way street. Like she'll t- talk about her, you know, one minute to talk about like her girth and then, then I feel like, oh, wow, like motivated. And then I to it. And honestly, now I know it's a trap. <laughs> hey, actually, I appreciate I that, actually, Samantha. I did not. I, well, because I didn't realize that you do have a monthly basis. Then I started, I'm like, what the hell? Like, I've literally been sharing every one of your posts, writing my answer, <laughs> like reflecting. I, hey, I really appreciate your support. <laughs> right. Well, I didn't even know it. <laughs> you always got my back. Everything that you're doing, I I think it's pretty clear, but um, we always love asking this question. What do you want to be known for? I think I I definitely want to be known for building community. I think that is what I value most in my life and especially to even just like within music as a whole. 
Um, I, like I said earlier, like I met so many of my best friends growing up through music and, you know, even, um, in college, the girl who now was like my first full-time employee we met because I like saw her wearing a band t-shirt that I liked. Um, and I, I think I just really want to be known for helping. I always say like, I know I always succeeded when someone's like, oh, yeah, like I met my best friend on with the band. Um, and that's, that's really what I want to help do. I think the biggest thing that a lot of people took out of 2020 is that community is the biggest thing, no matter what it is, and especially digitally. Um, that's something that I took out of it just from being so remote and feeling that I need a little extra something. Yeah, gone are the days where artists are looked at these mythical creatures of which yep. you cannot <laughs> talk to or touch unless you're a groupie. Mm-hmm. Things are changing. Yeah, dramatically. And so our last question for you is where can the viewers reach you? Yeah. Uh, so all of like my handles are just Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Beth Peary. Um, all of with the band stuff is with the band VIP. So you can find us on Instagram on, you can go watch. We have like one viral Harry Styles TikTok this year, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I'll give you a nice laugh. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find us or on our website. If you are an artist who's interested, um, and using our new platform or any of, you know, the things I talked about, it's with the band.co. Awesome. And we'll definitely be sharing that with everyone as well on all of our posts, all the social medias. Um, well, thank you so much, Sarah Beth. We so much appreciate you for being on season two of the setup podcast. And we're very excited to see where you you're going and we're very excited to continuously follow you. Oh, well, thank you all for having me. It's been great. Thank you. And we really appreciate it. And um, actually, we lied. I have one last question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I lied. Um, Well, Samantha lied, not me. But um, when is your new platform going to be up and running for artists to jump on and use? Yeah, so it will be happening uh, within the next month or two. Yay. I'm very excited. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for having me. And let me know if you all need anything else from me as well. Perfect. Well, have a great evening. Cool. You too. Thank you, Sarah Beth. Nice to meet you. See you. Bye. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com. 